What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. On today's show, I have a something a little different. We're talking about investing overseas and uh, specifically in Belize. I have one of our Seven Figure Altitude members. She's an amazing guy in our multifamily group, has been around for quite a few years. Um, Sean St. Cyr on the show today. I'm really excited about today's show. I had a great time talking with him. And we opened up some kind of new ways of thinking. If you think that you can invest in your awesome show for you, I hope you guys enjoy it. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right, everyone, I got a really uh, interesting and fun show for you today. We're talking about something different potentially today. So I've got an investor who's in the mastermind, been in the group for a very long time, and he's doing something a little bit different than than most people that I see out there investing in real estate and uh, something I'm interested in as well. And I'm really excited to just kind of ask questions for me and you can kind of listen in behind the scenes. Um, an incredible guy. I absolutely love him. He's uh, so fun at the events and everything. And he's just an amazing person that gives back a ton. Um, last, I think it was last year in uh, Franklin. So we have an event in Nashville, typically in January, February each year. And last year he asked if he could stay and just kind of pour into some of the runway members. And that meant a lot to me. And it's something that I know that I did when I joined the mastermind group is I just felt like I, I got a ton. And so I just wanted to give back and give back and give back. And so um, I see that, uh, Sean, it was amazing. And all the members see it too. It's really cool. So um, I feel Thank like you. if everybody did a little bit of that, it just, that, that's what the mastermind's all about, right? So everybody does, yep. but like intentionally like, hey, can I stay for a couple extra days and like be more of a part of it? And how can I help? And it's just kind of the attitude and, um, and mindset that you bring to the group, which I really love. So, all right. Uh, so without further ado, I've got uh, my guest, Sean St. Cyr on the show today. Uh, what's up, Sean? How are you? Good, Bill. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to talk to you. And frankly, um, I don't really know some of your stories. You are, um, I remember, I, I don't know if it's the first time we met, but in Mexico, I was sitting at a table and it was like all these Canadian people and you were there and just hearing some of your stories of like how you got into the business and, and what you're doing and how you kind of like are fine, just like moving around and traveling. I think you like came to Mexico and you didn't really like I don't know. It was like during COVID and you weren't even like allowed to be there and you just found a way to get there and then had a plan of staying for an extra period of time. It was just very interesting to listen to. And a married guy with three kids um, who has everything planned in a military background is very different than than what I got as the vibe from you. So give everybody a little bit of background about you, um, who you are, and just kind of maybe how you get started in real estate a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah. So... My name's Sean. Um, I'm from Hamilton, Ontario, just outside of Toronto. I got into real estate, kind of fell into it. Um, out of university, I, you know, my mom was moving out of town to a small little place with like a population of 5,000. And in my opinion, like after university, that's like social suicide. So I'm like, I'm not moving with you. I'm going to figure out a way to get a house or something. Ended up buying my first house, had my brother and my best friend move in with me started house hacking. Um, it was pretty easy, you know, ma managing my brother as a tenant as well as my best friend. And I, I kind of just 
thought I'd do more of that. Bought a student rental um, the year after, then I went up to a triplex and just started, you know, slowly adding units to my portfolio, um, self-managing pretty much the whole time. And yeah, then I got into some bigger things, became a real estate agent. Uh, and then one of my friends from high school had just gotten back from a trip down in Belize. And he's like, man, you got to go check this place out. It's amazing. You have the Caribbean on one side of the country, and then you have the jungle on the other side. You can go see jaguars, monkeys, all different types of things. Um, and he's like, the real estate down there is really taking off too. You got to check out this one guy. His name's Will Mitchell. Um, now I think he's number two in Central America and Caribbean for sales at Remax. So he's doing big things. His dad's been down here for like 30 or 40 years making big movements as well. Um, so yeah, I came down here. Uh, I really loved what I saw. I'm a big diver. So it's got the largest living uh, reef in the world. Australia's is dying, unfortunately. So um, Belize is where it is for diving. And I'm a dive master. So fell in love with the island, fell in love with the culture, the food, the people, everything. It's great here. Um, and it doesn't hurt that it's, you know, fun in the sun all the time, right? There's compared to Canada, it's get pretty cold up there. So yeah, okay, so let, let, me, let me get a little bit of a timeline on this. So you, when yeah. did you buy that first house that you were house hacking? What year was that? That was 2014. Yeah, like seven and a half years ago, almost seven, eight years ago now. Okay, you made this kind of all sound, at least to me, like a year or two. So 2014, yeah. and then you kind of like added to the rental portfolio in Canada. You were living in Canada, right? Yeah, I was living in Canada. I actually bought my first house um, and then a situation happened where, you know, I, I decided to go out and travel for a little bit. Uh, six months I did in Asia. So my house kind of supported itself. It wasn't really cash flowing because I only had two people living in it, but I got it pretty decently cheap. My mortgage was low. And then I realized, like, this is pretty easy. So then when I got back from Asia, I bought a uh, student rental. Um, and then I went on another trip, uh, Europe, then came back, bought another property. Kind of was like job jumping, I would say, between um, trips. And then I decided to get a little bit more serious into real estate and I started going for my license in Canada. Um, so it was like a lot longer process than I made it seem. But yeah, in between, in between properties, pretty much I would travel and just kind of support myself with the real estate income. And if I need to come back and work for a little bit, I would, yeah. Okay, so traveling around, are you like independently wealthy? Are your parents loaded? Like, do you have a huge trust fund? Um, how do you no, travel for well, six months in Asia and then um, have a house in Canada? Yeah, so yes and no. Um, I'm, I'm not independently wealthy, but unfortunately, when I was younger, my dad was, my, my dad was a pretty successful businessman, um, but he passed away when I was 12. Um, so I decided to like, he was actually super smart and set it up as a trust fund, but I was only distributed about 10%, um, which was, you know, not that much back in the time. Uh, still not that much now it was like hundred K. So I used that to start off the real estate portfolio and just, um, kind of built it from there. Um, yeah. And just, you know, using the burr method, getting my capital back, um, rinse and repeating that. Obviously in Hamilton, Ontario, the like I started buying in the two hundred thousands, two fifty, two seventy area, and now those same properties are worth like eight hundred, nine hundred thousand. So obviously the market helps um, pulling some equity out and 
replacing it on different properties as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it wasn't all just a big trust fund that I've been siphoning money out of. No. And how was how how did you learn at that time? Like, how were you getting information? Were you just like, is, is it? Um, did- yeah, at first it was kind of trial and error. You know, Google would help. There was no ChatGTP or anything like that back in the day. Um, I would also go. There was a real estate group called Rockstar Real Estate, and they they were kind of like seven figure, but very local. Um, local market data, et cetera, et cetera. And they would have classes, free classes. You could go in, I think donations were like 10 bucks to a charity of their choosing for the month, right? And they would have different seminars on, you know, burrs or how to properly track your financial data, stuff like that. And they were kind of the stepping stone into like free courses slash, you know, mentorship. One of my good friends, Andrew, became my realtor. Um, I did my third deal with him and bounced ideas off him on a regular basis. Um, but just being involved in that network per se really helped. I met other people who were part of other groups, um, Facebook, LinkedIn, connecting with people. And that's eventually how I found your group. Um, I saw a post from Austin Ye saying he's going on the seven figure Cancun mastermind. I'm like, travel and real estate sounds great to me. Right. So I was like, sign me up. Nice. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, cause we, we have, we've, we have, and we had and still have like a pretty big, uh, Canadian, uh, somehow a Canadian or two found us. And I believe like, I think Luke was the first Canadian that went kind of all in with us and joined the eight figure group, like five years ago, six years ago or something when we started that. And that, that was flip packing live, like 2018, I think might've been 17. Yep. And then it was like one by one, the Canadians started to find us and figure it out. And, um, and it's been interesting to see I, the question I get the most, especially from the podcast, the email list, everything that we have is I live in Canada. This stuff doesn't work in Canada. And so what do you say to that? Like, is that true or not true? So it's true, but it's not true. Like the very technical stuff, like a lot of the public data in the United States is a lot easier to access, uh, not so much in Canada. Um, but the whole, the theories behind it, maybe not the technical side might not be as relevant, but the strategies, uh, the implementation, the SOPs, like there's so much stuff that you can get value out of, even though it's American based information. Um, a lot of it still pertains to the Canadian market, right? So I can't follow your videos exactly the same way I would if I was living in the States. Um, but the basics are there you just kind of have to plug and play, right? And, and switch switch out things here and there. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. So we have some folks in Europe and Australia. So the same thing, just the, the availability to public information, like the list yeah. pulling, and then a lot of the software and systems and things like that that are available in the US that are not available in the other cities or other countries. And so what you've got to do is you've got to figure out, hey, okay, I understand the big picture. I understand the method. Like if I can get this information now, how can I get this, this kind of marketing in front of people in my country? And yep. so that's the question that needs to be solved by the local market versus the, you know, worldwide market, but the tactics, um, a lot of the strategy, a lot of the systems, tools, operations, those kind of things so some of the tools might not be exactly relevant, but the, figuring out how to do that in your country is the next step. So if you're listening to this and you're in Australia or New Zealand or in Europe, you're in England, like that everything, all the, all the big picture processes work, all the strategy 
and uh, and the tactics, the the sales and negotiation and marketing strategy all works. Now the exact like fun like the exact tactics and the tools that you're using, the software and systems, they're going to be something that might not exist in your country. So huge opportunity because nobody else can get that information. So uh, with us, I mean, I'm I'm one of 15 or 20 cards that hit the mailbox. So yeah. um, what if you could figure out how to get that card in a mailbox in England or Australia or New Zealand or somewhere in Europe that nobody else does? And so they definitely have people that need your solution. And figuring out how to get to them is the key. Um, okay. So from there, do you still have all those rentals in Canada? You still run them and manage them uh, yourself? Yeah. So I have all the rentals. Uh, we just sold one condo here in Belize. Other than that, I've kept everything. Okay, so holding on to that stuff, how's that doing for you? Still doing well? Uh, yeah, most of them. I'm going to offload one duplex that's not performing well. Um, but other than that, everything is cash flowing. Um, I've pulled out all my money out of them. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy. The, the returns down here with some of the tax advantages and whatnot, I think are a, a better play, at least right now in this development market. So I'm going to be utilizing that, that cash from the duplex um, and start cycling some money down here. Um, yeah, they're doing nice. well. I just I think they could be for performing better, right? If you look at your assets and some aren't performing well and others are performing great, it's time to recycle that money and put it in something else. Yeah, I love that. You um, So you've got these rental properties in Canada. And then, okay, uh, refresh my memory. You came down to Mexico. What? What was that like? Like during COVID, you were living in Canada. Um, you were probably not very happy being in Canada and being locked up because you love to travel and stuff like that. What was that like? And and what was like the next step? Yeah, so was, I don't know. I, I feel like Australia and Canada out of everywhere in the world had it, uh, the harshest restrictions for COVID. Um, I remember one time I came back from somewhere and um, – I got a call from the government saying like, Hey, just, we want to make sure you're quarantining. I'm like, yeah, I'm quarantining. Like, like you haven't been out of your house at all. I'm like, no, I just, the only time I've been out of my house is to walk my dog. And like, you're not allowed to go outside. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I can't walk my dog. They're like, no, you're not allowed to use the sidewalk. I'm like, uh, okay. Like, do I get a tax break from that? Cause like, you know what I mean? Like we're paying, that's a public service. And all of a sudden they're trying to tell you, you can't even leave your house to walk your dog. I thought it was a little crazy. I remember one time coming back from the event, I think it was a Mexico event as well in, in May. Um, I came back, uh, I'm not vaccinated, and I told them that. And they're like, hey, you need to quarantine for two weeks. Uh, or no, sorry, you need to quarantine in this quarantine hotel. We're not doing the two-week quarantine anymore at your house. And I'm like, what do you mean? I have to go into a hotel filled with hundreds of people to be away from people and make sure they don't get sick and I don't get, get sick as well? Like, yep, and you have to pay $3,500 for three days. And I'm like, what? And like, I've, I've seen posts with food that they were serving. It was like, <laughs> it was like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm not going to that. I'm sorry, I'm going home. They're like, well, you're not allowed. I'm like, am I being detained? Am I being arrested? No? Okay, so I'm going home. They're like, we're gonna find you. And I'm still getting notifications, even though like a week or two later, they, they stopped doing that. I'm still getting notifications that they're gonna they're going to take away my property. They're going to suspend my license and they're going to um, take away my like my employment income and just garnish my wages. They haven't done any of those yet, but we'll see. So, huh. interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy compared to Belize where it's like, you know, they barely even had mask requirements. There was, 
at a certain point it was kind of crazy down here too, but it was much, much shorter time period. Is that still going on in um, Canada now? No, thank God. Um, I think, I think everything's back to normal. The only thing is from my understanding, I haven't checked recently, but I still think you need to be uh, vaccinated in theory to get in the United States, but like most other countries you're good. All right. So you, um, you travel around a lot and do you live in Belize now or do you still live up in Canada? What's going on with that? So I kind of live here part-time. Um, I travel part-time and I live back in Canada part-time. Um, you know, with Canada giving free healthcare, we're supposed to be there six months of the year to keep that going. Never had an issue so far, but you know, knock on wood. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm down here right now. We're putting to get together a deal. Uh, we've got under contract. We're just um, subdividing some a big chunk of acreage, actually almost about 50 acres, and um, severing up plots. We're going to be doing pre-sales for that, trying to follow in the footsteps of people who have been investing down here for some time. Um, with capital gains not being a thing down here, um, and property taxes being so, so low, like $75 for a plot of land per year, it makes the most sense for, for the bang on your buck to just buy massive amounts of acreage, subdivide, even your holding costs, right? We're going to be looking at subdividing around 200 pieces of um, plots of land, and our holding cost per year is only going to be around $16,000 for property taxes on that. Or looking to sell them for like pre-sale prices around seventy five hundred, um, profit potential around a million one point two million dollars on the low end, and with no capital gains, that's just money in your pocket, right? Um, we I've kind of realized in the last year or so, the condos are great if you want to live here, um, but with the property management taking thirty three percent, the Belize Tourism Board, which kind of manages short term rentals and have set standards that they want you to adhere to. It's a lot more headache and a lot less profit. So just kind of following the footsteps of the big dogs down here, rinse and repeat. Um, if they're doing, you know, the numbers that they're doing, obviously they're doing something right. Yeah. So I, I went to Belize actually in 2008, I think it was 2008. Yep. So I went on deployment in 2007 and when I got back, I, I'm a big diver too. You mentioned that you love to dive. I love to dive. I love to fish. I love being on the ocean. I love the water. And so I've always wanted to go dive the blue hole. And so I set it up, set up like a week long trip for me, my brother, and a guy I went on deployment with a good friend of mine, Mike Renzi. And we went down there in, in 2008, I, it, we went to Amberger ski. So yep. flew into Belize city. And then we, I think we had a little plane. Yeah, we flew on another little plane over to Amberger. Little puddle ski. jumper. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was an otter. I think it was a twin otter. And, um, and just loved it. Like they didn't have a car, any cars over there. And um, I actually toured a few properties because I was interested in real estate. I had, I had bought my first place. I was getting into real estate at the time. And I really thought about, um, about investing there, like buying some condos and, and doing that at, at that time. It was pretty, pretty early there. It was kind of obvious, like the, the other half of the city or of that, of that area hadn't even been developed yet. I, I would be very interested to see it now. It's been Gosh, uh, 15 years later, it's probably so, so different. Um, we couldn't even take the golf cart over the bridge. You had to take a bike. And, and so you couldn't yeah. take a golf cart on that other side of the bridge. Um, so tell me, uh, and, and one of the things that I called, I called my real estate agent that I had in California. And I was to say like, hey, like, what would I need to do to do this, to, to close on it, to, 
put in my name, do all this stuff. Like, could you help me and kind of learn more about it? Cause I was a little skeptical at the time. Like I was like, man, yep. these returns look really good. Um, are people going to come down here? Is it really as good as they say? Um, I'm probably, if I look at it now, I probably should have done it, <laughs> but wh where are you investing? What is it like? And, and what's going on in that city? I'm very interested of like uh, uh, the whole story, like how you found it, who helped you, all of those things. Yeah, so it's kind of funny you mentioned that bridge because there was no bridge. And even in the last five years uh, that I've been here, it's changed drastically. They, they finally built the bridge going to the northern part of the island. Uh, the owner of the beer company, Bellican, actually built it himself so he could deliver his Coca-Cola products and his beer up to the like areas in the north and, and service like the beach clubs. Um, and now they actually just made it a double lane wide, wide bridge. So before you'd have to wait sometimes if there's like a construction vehicle coming over. So lots of development. We actually have, um, right beside our condo complex is another resort that's going in with a casino on the lagoon. It, it would be kind of cool to bring you around and show you what's happened since last time you were here. Um, so you, things, so but, you are investing on Amberger's Key. That's where you are. So most of my property is on Amber's Key. Um, the price point's a little, it's the most expensive area in the country because it's the biggest tourist destination. The blue holes here, I think about 70 to 80% of the tourists that do come to Belize specifically come to San Pedro and the island. So yeah, the price point, you know, is going to be quite a bit more expensive here. Luckily, I was able to get in, you know, four or five years ago and start building my portfolio here. Now, um, what, we're, what we're doing is we're actually kind of going into the mainland, Corozal. It's very close. It's just a short plane ride um, from San Pedro, about two and a half hour drive from Belize City north. Quiet little town. Uh, the property value is still like really cheap. We're getting in at great prices and it's very cool. Like, it's a seaside town, right? Um, so that's where we've started to invest a little bit now, just cause, um, when we're buying large chunks of land, it makes economical sense. Um, so we're diversifying a little bit and I know, you know, the big players are also starting to buy in San Ignacio along the river, um, thousands of acreages and just doing kind of the same thing they did here in San Pedro and Amber's key and secret beach, buying massive chunks, sometimes from the government and subdividing and then just selling with. A lot of times they sell with owner financing, right? So they'll do like 30, 50% down and finance the rest at anywhere from six to 12%. And then they're just creating money as well off of the interest, right? So those are kind of the best plays we've realized after being here for a few years. Um, and it, it's with a population of over only 350, 400,000 in Belize, it's all about who you know. So if you know someone in the lands department, you can grease the wheels. Um, yeah, you know what I mean? You, you can make some big movements really quickly. So, okay. So, and when I said bridge, I was using it loosely. You really just kind of like rode your bike over it. It wasn't an actual bridge. It was like a rickety, like, like a, a person type bridge. You could not bring a car over. You couldn't bring anything over. Um, I, I don't think you could even bring some of the larger golf carts over. It was just like, some of the local, you couldn't bring any of the rental golf carts over, but if you lived over, there were some people that were living on the north side of the, of the island there, and they were like riding bikes and driving their golf carts, and I think they might have been able to bring their golf carts over. It's very interesting uh, to see that. I, I would love to go back because, I, first of all, it was an amazing trip. Um, it's an awesome location if anybody wants to go visit, and a uh, very interesting investment uh, strategy. So 
Uh, the reason I brought you on the show, so people are listening, like, this is really great, but like, what do I care about this? The reason why I brought you on the show were a co- was a couple a couple things. Number one, um, I wanted to hear more about what you're doing. And I also wanted to inspire some people to think outside of just the regular, like, path that everybody seems to be taking all the time. If you can find an opportunity and you can figure out how you can take your skill set and what you do really, really well to another location, another strategy, another place. And just so many people are like this. I don't, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. It's too competitive. It's too busy. It's too like, and I hear it all the time from Canadians. I hear it all the time from Americans. I hear it all the time from everyone. And so you did something a little bit different, which, I mean, we're not, we're not teaching this. We're not teaching international investing. We're not teaching land development. We're not teaching any of this stuff. We're teaching like basic fundamentals and strategy. And then also like operations, finance, some of those things. But you took it and said, hey, I can take the same thing and do it somewhere else with my skill set. What was that like and why did you do it? Um, I think me as a young single entrepreneur, um, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 24. I just have a little bit more higher risk tolerance than most people. I don't need like the safety and security for my family because obviously I don't have any dependents, right? Um, and me traveling to like Asia, Africa, Europe, South America, I've seen a lot of places where they have like great potential, real estate potential. I love the place. I love the culture. Um, but specifically Belize, it's a British Commonwealth. Um, English speaking, first language, they use the U.S. dollar, it's politically stable, economically stable, it's a close trip, especially for you guys being in the States, um, sometimes it's a little difficult to get here on, on, like, during the summer, there's not direct flights from Canada, um, also the diving here, uh, there's so many different reasons, and, you know, different people come here for different reasons, obviously, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, there's so many different potential opportunities, whether you just want to pursue diving, you want to live in the middle of the jungle, live off the land, you want to invest in real estate, or you just want to, you know, live out your retirement here. It's pretty cheap. It's compared to the United States. Uh, the cost of living is quite, quite different. Um, you know, you still have to, one thing I do really love about living here is there's no franchise. So no McDonald's, all the food is like made from scratch, local Belizeans, right? So, it's just a different sense of community down here. So what I hear from you is the, the kind of process that you took is I, you, you saw an opportunity. Somebody brought it to you. A friend of yours said, you need to check this out. You, you said, oh, this sounds pretty cool. You probably traveled down there, I would think, to kind of check it yep. out and see what it's like. And then you found a place that you really love to be. So it's a place that you would love to travel to. It, you, you like it. it. The time zone, uh, for anybody who's listening, is very close to our time zone. I just got back from Africa last night. It took me 42 hours to travel home. So 42 hours, four different airplanes. And uh, so two full days traveling back. And uh, to get there, same thing. It took us a little bit less time. I think 28 to 30 hours to get there. Um, amazing trip, but I was, I was seven hours ahead of where I am here. It was a lot of different flights bouncing around and, uh, and it takes a lot out of me. And when I can go from central time to central time, it's really pretty nice. And it's an hour and a half flight that is right down to the Caribbean and being in a beautiful place. And so you found a place that, that has all the things that you want. 
and a big opportunity. And then you figured out how you take your current skill set or something that needs to be developed in you to go implement it there instead of kind of putting a square peg in a round hole, what it feels like over and over in the place that you live. So a lot of people are like, should I invest in my backyard? My answer is usually the exact same thing. What do you know about? Where did you grow up? Where, where did you live in college? What are some places that you actually know that might be a better opportunity if yours is really tight, is really expensive, uh, doesn't lend to your skill set, whatever the case may be. Um, and look at some of those areas and compare them with the market that you live in. And I've seen people that are like, they picked up and moved their family to their new market. So they started in a new area. They picked up their family and moved there because they love it. Um, I seen uh, Therese and Robert Anderson. They were in Africa with me. They were living in Colorado. They wanted to move to Florida. They were doing this in Colorado. And they said, you know what? What if we could do this in Florida? They started doing it in Florida, moved to Florida. And so for anybody who's listening, it's like, what is your dedication to your next step of financial freedom, a new life, the things that you always want to do. And you might not have to keep working that job that you work. So Sean, you get to live down in Belize. You probably are living an amazing life down there, having a great time. And I mean, you get to do big things um, after some time. It's, it's probably taking you some time to get where you are right now. Um, what did it look like when you first investing invested there? And what does it look like now? Yeah. So my first investment was actually with Will Mitchell um, and his team. I bought four plots of land on the main road going to Seeker Beach. Um, at the time, I got some seller finance on it. I think I think I only put about 30% down. Um, bought some plots of land for about 160 uh, total US. And now for pretty much the same price point, because we've developed our network, we have, you know, the ins, we have numerous people trying to source deals for us. Now for the same price, keep in mind this is on the mainland and not in San Pedro area, uh, but we're buying 47 acres, right? Um, so it, it's, it's funny, in, in Belize here specifically, there's no MLS, right? So to try and find deals and find comparables is you have to ask the realtor who sold that property or who bought that property. So it can be very difficult to find, you know, good information, uh, but once you start networking, like I said, it's a very small country and you can make a name for yourself pretty quickly. And now we're having deals brought to us. Um, you know, someone brought us 1200 acres, obviously I think it was like $500 an acre, but it was in the middle of nowhere. So we don't really see the path, uh, path of progress, uh, path of progress, sorry, um, going down that route for years to come. But you know, at some point, there may be some development up there, but that's just not in our cup of tea right now. Yeah. So what? So you bought those four plots of land. Uh, what are you doing with them? Do you do you actually um, like build something on there, or what's the plan to to make? No, money? it's just we were la we're land holding at the beginning. Um, those plots of land right now, like they're selling plots right on the main road for eighty five thousand. Bought them at forty five thousand about four years ago. Right. So good appreciation. Um, like I said, land uh, property taxes like seventy five dollars per lot. So the cost of holding those are minimal besides the mortgage payment, which is at 6%, but I'm just kind of waiting until some more development happens and hopefully sell them for like triple, quadruple the, the amount we paid for them. Um, and yeah, just land banking. We might even resell them with some owner financing so we can start collecting some interest on that as well. Um, but now we've seen, cause that's, that's what Will Mitchell did, right? They bought a bunch of land in Seeker Beach, subdivided it, sold it to us. So we're taking what their, their concept was and they're still doing it just in different parts of the country. 
um, and doing it in a little more price point uh, conscientious area, which is Consejo Shores, which is just north of uh, Corozal. And it's like a really um, backpacker community. There's a lot of expats working down there um, specifically. So I think it's a great entry point for someone to look looking to come into the Belize market at a really good price point. Um, you'll be surrounded by kind of other expats doing the same thing. So who's the end buyer for these? Are they expats uh, that are end buyers for these plots of land? Mostly, yeah, expats. But we've had like four or five of our local friends realize it's such a great deal what we're offering at these pre-sale prices at $7,500. They're like, hey, man, I'm interested in buying some land because I don't have anything. And even the price point in Amber's Key specifically is kind of out of their reach and not attainable for the local unless you have, you know, something that's been handed down to you from family or the government um, gives you one plot of land, typically per citizen, they'll give you one, one plot. Um, it's very difficult for the normal person here to buy in the most like expensive area of the country. Right. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So what you're doing right now, so you're taking this 50 acres, you're subdividing the land and then you're selling it to somebody who would be interested in building something in the future, like working with a developer. Yeah, so, you're not selling it to a developer. No, we're not selling it to a developer. It's going to be, you know, each person's going to have their own plot. They can buy multiple plots if they want to develop something within that little um, subsection that we're going to be building. Um, and, and kind of, there's also like uh, Mennonites down here. They build like beautiful wood homes for really, you know, in between 80 to 120,000 for about 800 to 900 square feet. So it's pretty reasonable. Um, so you could do something like that. You could do something concrete, which is a little more expensive. It's, it's up to you. Um, as long as you're filled, uh, following Lee's building code, it, it's kind of up to you what you want to envision, what you want to create. Nice. So what um, what's next for you guys? Is just going to like bigger land plots and breaking those up uh, and selling them on yeah, the so we're, we're trying to get under contract another 70 acres. Um, we already have like 35 people for pre-sales um, and 3,500. I'm just going to do some quick math on my phone. I think we already have all of our money recouped in theory. Um, and then we're re going to be ready to move on the next plot. So 7,500 times 35. Yeah. So we've already recouped our money plus maybe a hundred thousand dollars at that point. Um, so we're just going to take that and keep, keep rinsing and repeating the process. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. It's a little bit selfish for me. Uh, seven figure flipping. We don't do yeah. a lot of this stuff, right? We don't do a lot. We don't talk about the, your specific like tactics that you're using right yeah. now or strategy. What, um, like what inside the group, like what are the things that have helped you in something that's a little bit different, like off the wall, that's not the same path as everybody who's like flipping and wholesaling. Cause I get it from a lot of people. It's like, look, I'm, I'm not a wholesaler. So I don't think this group is for me. Like, is there some things like, what do you use inside the group? What's beneficial? Um, what, like, what is that like? Um, for me, the most important thing in the group is just the meetups. Um, I get a lot of value add from you, the other senior members, even, you know, even new people to the group, they always bring, there's always some good gold nuggets here and there. You just have to look for them and keep your eyes and ears open and, you know, just try and learn everything you can. Cause whether you can apply that in the Belize market, whether you can apply that in the United States market or the Canadian market, um, there's something in there that you can bring home to your business and, and bring it to the next level. 
but also the fact that, you know, seeing what you guys are doing, seeing some of the deals that you guys are bringing down, Ben Morgan, you know, the, the whole group, multifamily as well, it just motivates me. Because I realized like, you know, five, 10 years ago, you were in a similar place than I am. And if I can replicate, you know, what you've done, um, what other group members have done, and just add those pieces that are missing into the business, the potential is endless, right? So, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I noticed uh, you, I think you, you, lo- you love the events, the events. Some people love Those the events. My- some people love another, another section. Some people love the, like the calls or the, or the trainings or the accountability groups. But um, the event people, like events are it. So I asked in Mexico. I'm a people like, person. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And I think it, it lends really great to what you're doing. You're in a place that really needs to have a lot of networking. You got to know the right people. You got to have conversations. You got to meet with them. You probably got to have some drinks with them. You got to have dinners. You got to go out. You got to do these things to socialize. And it probably is a lot of social networking that happens in that world, I would think. Even more so than any, yeah, even more so than anywhere else I've been. It's all about, you know, who you go to drinks with, if they're connected to this person, that person knows this person who can get you in to the government. And he can expedite things, you know. It's it's crazy here, especially being such a small country. Everyone knows everyone, it seems like, right? Yep. So it's all about who you know. I even remember that from 2008 or so when I was there. It was, uh, it was very much like, oh, yeah, you need to go to this restaurant. And then you go to this great restaurant. And they tell you about another one. And then this yep. person on the beach. And it's it, this guy does the jet skis in this area. And you want to go dive with these people. And once you find the right person, it's like find all the other right people. We, we actually talk about this with contractors. You find a really great contractor. You ask them everybody that they want to work with. But also ask them everybody that you shouldn't work with. And so you can create a really good, a good list and a bad list and then ask all the people on the good list who you should work with and who you shouldn't. You can build those two lists. Uh, we've talked about that a lot. It's very similar. Um, okay. Uh, we got to wrap this up. What are, what are some things that some advice that you would give to some of the people who are listening to this going, man, this is really interesting. Like, and maybe they have an idea. They have something that might be a little off the wall or a, an area that they want to go explore uh, maybe they went to, I don't know, studied abroad in Spain and were like, I wonder what real estate's like there. Like me, I, I lived in England for a year, met my wife there, and nobody is doing what we're doing, like going direct to seller, like really helping people in England. It's it's all go to the estate agent, get them to list the property. They control the marketplace like somebody could really break in there and flip wholesale, do all of these different things in a, in a city like that. So What's some advice that you would give to somebody who's listening saying, hmm, this is interesting. Maybe I want to go explore something or, you know, maybe Belize sounds interesting or some other places that we talked about. What, what would you say should be their first step or what they should, should do or kind of their process? First step, I would say um, boots on the ground is always good. Even if you're just thinking about investing in a country, in my personal opinion, you should go there. You should kind of get a lay of the land, you know, experience how the people are, experience the culture. Um, also getting to know the laws and legalities about buying property specifically where, you know, you're looking to purchase. I know a lot of countries in Asia specifically, you need to be married to a local or a local needs to be 51% owner of the business. In my opinion, I don't want to invest in a country that I don't have control in. Um, so that's kind of like a no go for me. Um, but that's going to be, you know, getting a power team, especially that knows the rules, the regulations, what needs to be paid, who needs to be paid when, right? 
those are super important things. And like there's realtors everywhere. Um, some are great, some are bad, right? So reach out if you're looking tour some properties, start picking their brain, um, maybe picking their brain for contacts as well. And then maybe go back home, sit on it, research a little bit more away from, you know, the hustle and bustle of where you are and just make an informed decision. You don't want to make something, you know, you don't want to make a quick decision, a rash decision and look back and be like, Oh, I should have probably researched a little bit more. Um, I may not have done that. I'm not going to lie. I came down to Belize and I bought the first time I came down here. Um, but at least I did some research while I was down here, went through the process, went through a trusted realtor who's actually one of the biggest realtors in Central America. So you got to do your due diligence. Um, it's not risk-free, but it, it could be a rewarding lifestyle if you can invest where, um, you know, it's uh, the sun shining all day and all year. Nice. I love it. I've done this before. I, I wanted to build a turnkey rental property business in Pensacola. Yeah. And so I bought, I went and bought a turnkey rental from somebody else and just kind of like watched it just like you did. You bought one of these, you bought a couple of them from this realtor and just kind of see what the process was like, see what, see if you like it. So I kind of like jump in and, and like hack another system. And then I was going to go yep. build it. I didn't want to build the property management company that had to manage it and all the other problems and issues and things like that. But so it didn't work out for me, but I had this great turnkey rental and I eventually sold it. I sold it last year, I think, or two years ago. And so um, I, that's exactly how I do. I buy stuff all the time. I buy like, especially when I was writing my book and looking at book funnels and all the different things that people did. So I bought everybody's book, bought all their upsells, all that stuff and just watched and saw what they were doing. So when I build my book funnel and uh, by the way, you can go to 7ffbook.com and grab a book if you haven't already. It's free. Um, and then you can look at all the upsells from it and just buy all the upsells, see what I do if you're writing a book and, and building out a funnel. So I do this all the time. And I think it's really smart. Go go learn from other people. Go see what they're doing. Go kind of secret shop um, what's going on. Yep. I do this in wholesale business. I do it in flipping businesses. I do it in coaching businesses. I'm always watching what everyone else is doing. So uh, really great advice. The, um, the, the last thing I want to ask you is like how if people want to find out I don't know more about you or more about Belize or they want just want to get in touch and ask some questions. How can, like, what do you need right now? So do you need money? Do you need investors? Do you need partners? Do you, like, do you need something that we can help you with? And then how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So you can reach out to me on social media, Facebook, Sean St. Cyr on Instagram, Sean dot St. Cyr. Um, we're right now, we're just in the process of coming up with a contract for taking deposits on the pre-sales for these lots. So if you're interested in Belize investing, this is a great entry point. Um, we're gonna be doing some seller financing on 50% of it as well. So even like 37.50 for an entry point for a parcel of land is pretty crazy in the Caribbean. Um, but if, if you just wanna learn about Belize in general or my story, anything at all, feel free to reach out. I'm an open book. I'll be more than happy to talk to anyone and give them some insight in my experience on coming down here and living and investing. I love it. I feel like we just like scratched the surface of some of the stuff that you're doing in your story. So, um, it, you know, in spending a few years with you, it's, you, you've got a lot to, to, to tell, like a lot of stories to tell. So it would be a lot of fun to do this again. I'd really like to. Um, and if, if you guys are listening, I've been to this city. It's really cool. Um, I would encourage you to go down there, even if it's just on vacation to check it out. Um, I will sure. definitely be figuring out how to make it back in the next year or two for sure. Um, I'd like to accelerate that cause I had a great time there. Um, 
And I'm really, and talking to you now, I'm really interested to see what it looks like now. It's going to be so different. I mean, it was, it was pretty primitive when I went there and I loved it. And so I'm interested. And they were building a big like mega hotel there on like right in between the two, like the canal there. So I'm interested to see what all that looks like now because I have, it's all coming back as we've been talking. Um, Some of the best like scuba diving and snorkeling and things that I've done and and great nightlife, amazing food. Just like you said, all home cooked stuff. You can just like ride a bike or walk up the beach and grab some amazing dinner. So um, man, I'm pretty jealous that you get to do that tonight. And so uh, thanks. (laughs) Thanks for coming on, Sean. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Bill. I appreciate it. And if you guys are listening. We'd be happy to have uh, you down. Anytime. Oh, dude, I'm coming. I'm around. <laughs> I, have, I'm gonna, I, I need to fly my plane. I, I'm, not, I'm not flying all those, all those airlines. I'm just flying my plane right there, figure out how to do that, and, and it shouldn't be a problem. And, and then I can, bring, I can bring like three – oh, man, yeah. Let's, let's find a few people that want to invest down there. I'll bring three or four of them down, and we'll just fly in on my plane so we don't have to worry about all that other stuff. Um, That'd be great. Okay. We'll get that plan in motion. All right. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, if you guys love the show, leave us, leave us a rating and review and share this story. Share Sean's story. If you got somebody who might be interested in investing in Belize or hearing this or just needs a little bit of motivation to get think outside the box a little bit from what they're currently doing, they're running into a wall like over and over and over again, um, investing somewhere else might be the, the open door that's just to the right of that wall. So uh, share this. Uh, send it over to them. Um, you can find this anywhere on, like they can find it on the podcast app. Share it on social media. Tell everybody about it. And make sure that you reach out to Sean on Facebook, Instagram, um, anywhere you can find him. We'll we'll put his information in the show notes. Sean, thanks for coming on. I'll uh, see you guys on the next show. Thanks for having me again, Bill.